Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 136 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is about the Department of Justice and COVID-19 enforcement issues. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Uh, Before we get started, I wanted to make sure and check in with everybody and let them know uh, we're all thinking about each other at this time. It's a difficult time in the country with the pandemic, the home uh, the home isolation or uh, the homestays, uh, but hope everybody is making it through this time. It's a difficult time. It's a tragic time. Uh, but uh, I wanted you to know that everybody here at the Volkoff Law Group is, is concerned about our clients, our subscribers, and uh, our followers, and making sure that everybody is okay. Please let us know if there's anything that we can do to help. Before we get started, I also wanted to welcome uh, again our new sponsor who just uh, joined the Volkoff Law Group, uh, Steel Compliance Solutions. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's Ethics and Compliance Automated Platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's Compliance Solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Well, during this difficult time, it's also uh, important to take a look at what the Justice Department, the FBI, and law enforcement uh, have been doing and what we can expect in the uh, weeks to come. Uh, they're sort of short-term efforts that the Justice Department is making in terms of enforcement matters. Uh, there are going to be trends that I think we're going to see uh, in terms of large increases with uh, the prosecution of False Claims Act cases, uh, given the amount of government money that is being uh, handed out or passed out through various government programs. Uh, just like in 2008, when we saw a huge increase in False Claims Act cases, we're going to start to see that as well uh, down the road here. But let's start with... Um, you know, in terms of uh, fraud, the Justice Department and then the FBI have definitely acted quickly in response to fraudsters who always come out during these national tragedies, uh, just like 
uh, in, in Katrina and Hurricane Katrina, there were fraudsters out there as well as there are fraudsters here with the COVID-19 uh, taking advantage of the public panic um, in response to the pandemic. Um, the Justice Department has alerted, for example, U.S. attorneys offices and federal, state and local law enforcement of many of the common fraud schemes. Uh, DOJ already has prosecuted individuals and businesses selling fake cures for COVID-19 online and other forms of fraud. In addition, given the large number of remote employees, uh, the Justice Department has warned about phishing emails from the World Health Organization and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, DOJ also warned about fraudsters seeking donations for illegitimate or non-existent charitable organizations. That's a common tactic during uh, national tragedies like this. So let's go through some of the reported schemes that they, uh, the Justice Department has alerted people to. Uh, the first is uh, robocalls that make fraudulent offers to sell respirator masks with absolutely no intent of delivery. delivery. Uh, fake COVID-19 related applications and websites that in, really are used to install malware or ransomware on your computers. Phishing emails asking for money or presenting malware. Social media scams, which are fraudulently seeking donations or claiming to provide stimulus funds if the recipient enters his or her bank account number. Uh, sales of fake testing kits, cures, immunity pills, and protective equipment. Uh, fraudulent offers for free COVID-19 testing in order to obtain Medicare beneficiary information that is then used to submit false medical claims for unrelated, unnecessary, or fictitious testing or services. There also have been uh, prescription drug schemes involving the submission of medical claims for unnecessary antiretroviral treatments or other drugs that are marketed as purported cures for COVID-19. Uh, there have been robberies of patients departing from hospitals or doctor offices, threats of violence against mayors and other public officials, and threats to intentionally infect other people. I mean, this is just crazy. Um, uh, DOJ uses a number of tools to prosecute these crimes, uh, including you know, any number of provisions that can apply, including mail fraud, wire fraud, computer fraud, health care fraud, uh, identity theft fraud uh, in trafficking and counterfeit goods. Further, the sale of fake drugs and cures can be prohibited uh, under uh, Title 15, uh, which may violate the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. Um, with regard to malicious hoaxes and threats against specific individuals or intentional exposure and infection of others, uh, such conduct can fall under a range of criminal statutes related to COVID-19 as a quote-unquote biological agent, uh, and then, believe it or not, can implicate terrorism-related statutes when you think about it. Um, there also have been, uh, DOJ has also warned against uh, antitrust conspiracies, and they're worried that uh, individuals or businesses may try to fix prices, rig bids, or allocate markets with respect to COVID-19 materials uh, as criminal antitrust violations. In other words, this is a prime time to seek to gain market leverage through um, and the ability to control price through uh, illegal uh, agreements with regard to customers, pricing, territories, uh, amongst competitors. So that's, uh, it was interesting, there was a separate notice that came out from 
uh, the antitrust division uh, warning uh, against such uh, conduct. The Justice Department and the FBI also have been um, exercising uh, their new f sort of authority under a presidential executive order relating to the hoarding and price gouging of supplies and distribution of materials. Um, and they issued a memo to U.S. attorneys prioritizing investigations and prosecutions in this area. So just a little bit of background, to combat hoarding and price gouging for critical supplies, the president issued an executive order which prohibits hoarding and price gouging of designated critical items. That's the key thing, the designated critical items. So DOJ created the COVID-19 Hoarding and Price Gouging Task Force uh, to focus on scarce medical supplies that are needed by hospitals. Under the executive order, the secretary of HHS uh, has to issue a notice designating categories of health and medical supplies that must not be hoarded or sold for exorbitant prices. Uh, the Defense Production Act specifically prohibits any person from accumulating designated materials in excess of the reasonable demands of business, personal, or home consumption, or for the purpose of resale at prices in excess of prevailing market prices. Interesting uh, statutory terms. <coughs> Excuse me, the term materials includes any raw materials, uh, including uh, any, uh, raw materials, including minerals, metals, and advanced uh, process materials, commodities, articles, components, uh, products, and items of supply, and any technical information or services ancillary to the use of any such materials commodities, articles, components, products, or items. Pretty broad terms here that could apply to your supply chain, uh, and uh, in particular if you're making uh, key medical devices, uh, critical designated ones. And the HHS secretary has de designated a long list of scarce materials or threatened materials and designated them such that uh, the hoarding and price gouging task force is monitoring such activities. Uh, they include the N95 uh, filtering face piece respirators to cover your nose and mouth, other filtering face piece uh, respirators, uh, elastomeric air purifying respirators and particulate filters and cartridges, powered air purifying respirators, portable ventilators including portable devices intended to mechanically control or assist patient breathing drug products with active ingredient, ingredients, uh, uh, chloroquine, phosphate, or hydroxychlorine, HCL, uh, sterilization services for any device, including devices already that have already uh, FDA marketing authorization and those that do not but are intended for the same uses, disinfecting devices intended to kill pathogens and other kinds of uh, microorganisms by chemical means or physical means, including sanitizing, and disinfecting products suitable for use in a clinical setting. Uh, medical gowns or apparel, surgical gowns or isolation gowns, uh, and of course, personal protective equipment, PPE, coveralls, uh, PPE face masks, PPE surgical masks, PPE face shields, PPE gloves or surgical gloves, and ventilators, anesthesia gas machines modified for use as ventilators, and positive pressure breathing devices. 
Once an item is designated, the statute makes it a crime for any person to willfully accumulate that item either in excess of his or her reasonable needs or for the purpose of selling it in excess of prevailing market prices. Such a crime right now is punishable by up to one year in prison and or fine of $10,000. Today, not today, actually it was uh, about a week ago, uh, DOJ and H HHS announced the distribution of hoarded PPE, uh, including approximately 192,000 N95 respirator masks to hospitals in New York and New Jersey. The FDA the FBI discovered the supplies on March 30th, and HHS authorized the seizure and distribution. In addition to the N95 respirator masks, the FBI found 598,000 medical-grade gloves and 130,000 surgical masks, procedure masks, N100 masks, surgical gowns, bottles of hand sanitizer, and bottles of spray disinfectant. This was from one owner that the FBI and DOJ uh, caught in the New York and New Jersey area, and this is March 30th, so you can imagine the need for these supplies and the fact that this uh, supplier was uh, hoarding these devices. Um, just uh, incredible in this time. Well, last, I wanted to talk about that issue that I raised in the beginning here, which was, uh, you know, when Congress enacts massive financial relief led legislation, one inevitable result is fraud, waste, and abuse. Like I said, going back to the financial crisis in 2008, DOJ had a trove of criminal fraud and civil fraud cases under the False Claims Act. With the passage of the CARES Act, you can now count on DOJ ramping up criminal and civil fraud prosecutions uh, under the False Claims Act. The CARES Act allocates roughly $2 trillion for financial relief in various industries. The bulk of the money, however, is going to be made available through Federal Reserve loan programs designed to provide relief to specific industries. Section 4108 of the CARES Act established a Special Inspector General for Pandemic Recovery in the Department of Treasury, and I believe they've, uh, the administration has nominated uh, Brian Miller uh, to serve in that position. He works in the White House Counsel's Office right now, uh, and obviously that position is subject to Senate approval. Brian uh, served as the uh, Inspector General for the GSA uh, in as part of his career. The nomination must be made on the basis of integrity and demonstrated ability in accounting, auditing, financial analysis, law, management analysis, and investigations. The scope of the remit is not just the Treasury Department's conduct, but extends to proper use uh, of grant funds by the beneficiaries. In other words, the Special Inspector General will have the authority to investigate and refer prosecutions to DOJ focused on fraudulent use of CARES Act fund. Uh, and uh, this is where some of the cases will come from, but you can also expect whistleblowers uh, as well. Um, Congress gave the Special Inspector General subpoena power, uh, includes the right to subpoena information from third parties. So in some, the new Special Inspector General will exercise expansive uh, powers. So uh, there could be third party subpoenas coming to people who can then provide information used to prosecute or refer a prosecution over to the Justice Department uh, involving a broad range of conduct related to the sale of loans, loan guarantees, and other investments under the CARES Act. Um, 
And DOJ is likely to take a very aggressive enforcement uh, stance here uh, because obviously they want to avoid claims of political favoritism or ineffective supervision, like uh, the inspector general who was created to monitor the troubled asset recovery program, that, or TARP, created during the 20, 2008 financial crisis. The CARES Act uh, Special Inspector General is going to definitely uh, aggressively refer criminal and civil cases. Uh, DOJ every year touts the success of its False Claims Act enforcement program, citing annual total recoveries in the $3 billion range. I think with the addition of the new CARES Act Special Inspector uh, General, it's likely that it, we're going to exceed those totals in the years to come. Uh, like uh, the totals used to be close to six million, um, or six billion, excuse me, during uh, closer to the financial crisis time period. Um, here, and remember, the la latest trends in terms of False Claims Act prosecutions has been uh, focused on the healthcare industry and a much smaller percentage against defense contractors. Now we're going to see a broad range of industries that fall under the False Claims Act because any that benefit from loans or loan guarantees or other programs. So it's an important thing to watch. This trend is going to be important because greed and grifters are out there and they inevitably come out of the, the, uh, the woodwork uh, in these types of uh, situations. Well, we're going to keep monitoring DOJ uh, activities. Uh, again, please, everybody stay healthy, stay safe. We're going to make it through this. Uh, and uh, stay tuned. We'll have more coming our way from Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. It's a lesson